You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Take our Bible and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to finish up this morning's message. Friendships, are they really really that important. So we said this morning there's 104 verses in the Bible that speak about friendship. So we're, we're not at a shortage of information from God concerning this subject. That, that doesn't even take into account of passages of Scripture that deal with friendships where perhaps the word isn't even used. But what is the greatest friendship that we find in the Bible? David and Jonathan. Covers 1 Samuel chapter 18 through chapter 23. So I really encourage you, especially you as parents, to study that passage of Scripture and go over it with your young people. And you can use that in a very effective way to show them what true friendship in the eyes of the Lord is is really all about. But let's read these passages. We'll do some review and then get into material that I wasn't able to cover this morning. It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit. I love that expression. Was knit with the soul of David. How many of you had mothers that knitted? Mothers that crocheted. All right. Not a whole lot of you. My mother was a knitter. My mother was a homemaker, a homebody. She had so many of those skills that pretty much have gone by the wayside. But I remember watching my mom sit on the couch while my dad watched the evening news. And I used to watch her knit and then complain about all the time my dad spent watching TV. But my mother loved to knit. My mother could not stand being idle. I think she had ADD. That's what I think my mother had. But she loved to knit. And and to see that come together. She had weaves that were tight weaves and loose weaves. But to see how, you know, that yarn would just come together and be knitted together. That was the soul of David and Jonathan. They They were so close. The Bible says they were knit in their soul. Now we know the soul involves our mind, our will, and our emotions. These two young men were connected. It made me so angry here just a few months ago that I heard the homosexual community saying that this was a homosexual relationship that David and Jonathan had. What a, what a statement of blasphemy. This was a godly friendship that these two young men had with each other. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Matter of fact, he put him directly into the military as a leader. And Jonathan and David made a covenant Wouldn't it be great if our young people would just make a covenant with each other that they're going to strengthen each other in the Lord? Give me an amen for that. Not that they're going to tear each other down or weaken each other spiritually, but they're really going, we're really going to have a youth group that has 
made a covenant with each other and with the Lord that they're going to strengthen each other spiritually. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was upon him and gave it to David, just that investment in David's life. Even his sword and his bow and his girdle, things that were very precious to him and meaningful to him, he gave them to David, investing in David's life. Now let's go over to chapter 23. And look at verse 16 once again. And Jonathan saw his son rose and went to David in the wood. And here's the statement. And strengthen his hand in God. Strengthened him in his walk and his commitment and encouraged him to keep on going with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we learned this morning. And as we rehearse in our minds the truths of Scripture, Father, we pray that if there's any area in which we have not been a good friend to others, that we would seriously and sincerely repent of that and change that area of our lives. And that, Father, we would purpose that we would be drawn to friends that would strengthen us spiritually and not tear us down. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may remember that this morning I mentioned that psychology says that the deepest need of the human heart is for intimacy, or what we would say would be friendship. This is what social media has capitalized upon, but I'll tell you something, there's a much better friend than your Facebook friends. I think we live in a time when people really have no clue or no concept of what a true, loyal, faithful friend is. A friend loveth at what? All times. A friend loveth at all times. We spent a lot of time this morning, more time than I had intended to take, talking about the many warnings of Scripture concerning wrong friends and the influence that wrong friends can have on each one of our lives. Now, hopefully some of us who are older have matured past that. We've realized that friendships are not as important to us now as they were when we were younger, that there are things that take priority over friendships, like faithfulness to God. But there are so many warnings we kind of camped out for quite a while in the book of what? Proverbs. And Proverbs was written by Solomon to who? His son. My son, my son, my son. And of all the warnings that Solomon gave to his son, the warning concerning friendships were number one. The second warning was his warning concerning strange women. Isn't that interesting? Friendships, number one, and the warning about getting involved with what Solomon called the strange woman. Chapter 2, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Who was Solomon's son? My son, when sinners entice thee, consent thou not. 
Don't cast your lot in among them. Don't walk with them in the way. Keep your foot from their path, for they are swift running to mischief. We looked at several of these warnings that came from the heart of Solomon to his son Rehoboam. Did Rehoboam listen to the counsel of his father? Isn't it frustrating when your young people just won't listen to you? Dad, let me learn it myself. Let me make my own mistakes. You can stop right now speaking into my life. How sad it is. How sad it is when I see young people not listening to their preacher. I'm telling you, it breaks my heart. Rehoboam, stay away from worldly friends. From sensual friends, rebellious friends, friends that have a filthy mouth, who are foolish and scornful, who lie, who have corrupt morals. Remember, evil friendships corrupt good morals. Who are self-indulgent, who have no self-control, who are focused on satisfying the lust of the flesh because they will lead you from the path of righteousness and away from the blessing of God. If young people would just realize, if I follow the influence of wrong friends, it's going to result in God's cursing instead of God's blessing upon my life, you'd never go that direction. That's why, listen to me, we have to walk by faith. When God says, don't go there, I don't care how strong the temptation is, don't go there. So many things. So many things. We looked at the mark of true friendship. We saw, first of all, that true friends will share. They will be open and they will be honest with you. Faithful are the wounds of a what? Friend. A good friend will put their arm around your shoulder, will speak into your life, and will bring a wound to you if necessary. Thank God for the friends that I have had over the years who have wounded me, and yet that wound has helped me. Are you with me? Yes, a wound hurts. And it does hurt sometimes when a dear friend brings a word of criticism to you. Listen, if you cannot take criticism, there's something wrong with you. Good friends can criticize one another. Can speak into each other's lives. Can be honest with each other. Flattery is not friendship. Solomon talked over and over again about how she flattereth with her lips. That's not friendship. A true friend will love you enough to confront you if you need to be confronted. Give me an amen. amen. So a, a true, good, and godly friend will share with you when necessary. They will sharpen you spiritually. They strengthen each other's hand in the Lord. 
They will encourage you. They will motivate you. Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. When we went home for lunch today, um, we had a big old venison neck roast cooking. And uh, it was delicious. I cooked it. <laughs> My wife uh, said to me this morning, she goes, I said, I got the meal already. She goes, you do? I said, yep, I got everything in there. She goes, how did you season it? I said, I'm not telling you how he seasoned it. She goes, well, is there something I need to do? I said, honey, it's all done. Really, what I was saying is chill, baby, chill. <laughs> I got this. But when I got home, the roast could have cooked for about another hour. Because I like it to where it's just falling off the bone. You know what? I had to get my knife out. And guess what else I had to get out? Just to carve that neck roast, I had to get out my steel. Because our drawer is full of dull knives. Is your drawer full of dull knives? Mine is. So I always had my trusty steel there. And I sharpened it. And I was able to trim some of the meat off. And I want you to know it was delicious. Wasn't it, kids? It was delicious. Thank you very much. But praise God for friends who will sharpen you and who will not dull you spiritually. Who will lift you up and not tear you down. Remember the true test of friendship was, am I a better person for having this person as my friend? So a true friend will share, will sharpen and a true friend will stick. They will be faithful. They will be loyal. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now we know that friend to be Jesus. But you know what? There are some friends that we have in life who stick with us. Stick with us through thick and thin. They don't jump ship when the storms of life come. They'll hang in there with you. I do want to say this. We must learn to be friendly, but be friends with only a few. If you want to be friends with everyone, you will not be a good friend to anyone. Do you got it, church? So the marks of a good friend. We also talked about how if a person wants to have a friend, they need to what? Be friendly. And that's why I said, please don't get mad at me. Because I've had people complain to me, Ben have had people complain to him that they don't have any friends. Well, you know why you don't have any friends? Because you're not friendly. You're not invested in other people's lives. You're so self-focused that you're waiting for people to reach out to you instead of you reaching out to them and I kind of hammered on that for a while won't do that again tonight we talked about how important it is to understand human nature how we all want acceptance we all want acknowledgement to be appreciated to be affirmed and to be assured we all want those things and so if those are things that are such a part of human nature we need to realize that's what other people need they need to feel accepted 
They need to feel acknowledged. They need to feel appreciated and affirmed and assured. And if we reach out and we give people what they need, if we give, it will be what? Given to us. Pressed down, shaken together, so shall men give to your bosom. If you want friends, be a good friend. Others will say to me, and I didn't touch on this this morning, but would say to me, well, you know what, Pastor, that's just not my personality. To which I will reply, get over it. We blame a lot of things on our personality. You know, I'm just not outgoing. I told you this morning, I'm not an outgoing person. My wife is. That's why, that's why opposites attract. She's a very outgoing person. I'm not an outgoing person. I said, give me my fishing pole and give me my, give me my shotgun and rifle and leave me alone. But even though it's my personality, if, I am, if I'm with a group, guess what? I'm, I'm not the one that's out there. I'm the one that's just sitting there and listening. You know what I had to do? I had to get over myself. When I was a young man, I stuttered terribly. I had to get over my stuttering. Can I tell you something? All of us have weaknesses in our lives but we have to get over it and not use those weaknesses as, you know what, I don't have any friends because, you know, it's, I'm just not an outgoing person. If you want friends, be friendly. And then we talked, this is where we left off with this morning, we talked about maintaining friendships and how some friendships should not be maintained. Should not be maintained. There are some that the Bible says don't eat with them. Don't be with them. Separate yourself from them. Put them away. Mark them and avoid them and withdraw yourself from them. Remember all those verses? Now I'm going to ask quite, why are those in the Bible? Because God wants us all to be mean. No. They're in the Bible for our personal protection. Right? Don't you agree with me? God loves us. And so he tells us there's just certain people that you just need to avoid. Don't hang around an angry person. For you will learn what? His ways. It'll become a snare to your soul. Listen, we're like those that we hang around. Birds of a feather? What? And this is where I wasn't able to go this morning because of time. I don't get it why I preach so long. What is it about me? I'll prepare a message and I kid you not, I'm, I'm, I'll say this is easily a 45 minute message at the tops. Halfway through it, it's a 45 minute message. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've never been able to understand it. Sometimes I feel bad for you guys. Do you notice I didn't even try to wake some of you up today? How many noticed I didn't try to wake anyone up today? I thought, let them sleep. But let's talk here tonight 
about some behaviors that will destroy a friendship. And I won't get into a lot of detail concerning these. Let me give them to you. There's 12 of them that I found in Scripture that will really damage a friendship, even a good friendship. Someone who gossips can separate even the chief of friends. And so we really need to maintain good and godly friendships. Some friendships, no, we need to, need to let them go. But others we need to maintain. Number one is selfishness. Selfishness will destroy a friendship quicker than anything else. Ben, you kind of addressed that in Sunday school class this morning. That pride and that selfishness that Satan had it caused his fall. So selfishness. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Are you a selfish person? Self-centered, looking at how your needs can be met instead of reaching out and trying to meet the needs of your friend. You know, what did it say about Jonathan? He invested, he just gave to David. Number two is manipulation. I do not like to be manipulated. How many do? Hmm. Not one person here likes to be manipulated. Don't do that to your friends. Don't try to get your friends to do what you want them to do. To make them feel guilty. Or to put pressure on them. Sometimes even husbands and wives do that with each other, don't we? Children are experts at doing that. My grandchildren can manipulate me just like that. And for that manipulation, I don't mind. But don't you try it. None of us want to be manipulated. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4, if you're jotting down the verses. Number three is being controlling and possessive. Being controlling, trying to control your friend. And being possessive of your friend. Proverbs 25, 26. Listen, I don't want anyone to try to control me. To be possessive. Sometimes friendships are destroyed simply because you're possessive of your friend's time. Be respectful. Number four is jealousy. Proverbs 6, 34. You become jealous over your friend. Or maybe the friends that your friend has. And so jealousy is the fear of being displaced. Don't, be je don't become jealous. Criticism. Number five, criticism. Matthew 7, 1. I'm not talking about good, hearty counsel. That's like perfume, the Bible says. I'm not talking about wounding a friend by having to speak into their life because they're doing something wrong. I'm talking about just having a critical spirit. How many of you are drawn to people with a critical spirit? Well, we got 100% voting here tonight. Someone that has a critical spirit, when I see them coming, I'm like, 
Who can I engage with? <laughs> yes or no? You just don't want to... Like, here we go again. Criticism. Critical spirit. Number six is anger. Proverbs 14, 17. Damages relationships. Now, I know good friends probably once in a while do get upset with each other, but boy, you know what we do? We take care of it. I was wrong. Please forgive me. You know, these are good, these are good principles for marriage. Number seven, bitterness. Talked about how some friends, friendships just don't last because misunderstandings come and people get bitter. Hebrews 12, 15. Number eight is covetousness. Colossians 3, 5. Once again, looking for what I can get out of the relationship instead of what I can put into it. You know, the Bible doesn't say that Jonathan ever sought to get anything from David. What was he always looking to do? Invest in David. Hmm. Number nine is disloyalty. Proverbs 27.10. Again, this is something that really, really bothers me when people are disloyal. When you have been so loyal to them and faithful to them and then they become disloyal to you. Perhaps it's just a word of gossip behind your back and then it comes back to you. It's so hurtful and so damaging. But disloyalty. Number 10, dishonesty. James 5.16. There are some, listen to me here, this is so important. There are some people that say, you know what, I just don't like that person. Why don't you like them? Because they're not honest. Again, I don't think there's any one of us here that are attracted to a dishonest person. We don't have respect for them. Don't want to listen to them. Don't be dishonest in your relationships. Always be truthful with each other. Number 11 is busyness. Boy, don't we live in a busy world? Busy, 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 busy. Some of us say, I'm just too busy to have a friend. <clears throat> well, busyness can destroy a friendship. If you're going to be a good friend, you need to spend some time with each other. Ephesians 5.16. And the last one, number 12, is pride. After Ben's message, we should have pulled that to the top of the list. That was a great message this morning. I, I, I told Ben last Sunday after a Sunday school lesson, I said, I want to tell you something, brother. I, f I feel threatened by you. <laughs> I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up getting kicked out of here and they're going to put Ben up here. That's a great message this morning. Appreciate all of our men just doing such a great job teaching us in our Sunday school hour. But that old, wicked serpent of pride in every one of our lives may god humble us well these are the things i appreciate some of you taking notes those who didn't take notes i'm glad you have such a good memory it's amazing 
I want to give you six more things. If any of those 12 things have been true and have damaged a friendship that you've had, there are six ways to mend a damaged relationship. First of all, decide whether or not God wants you to maintain that relationship. Maybe it's one God is just trying to remove from your life. How many here have had a friend that God has removed from your life and later on you say, God, thank you for doing that? Sometimes we can't always see. You know, we talked this morning about this whole Facebook thing and getting on Facebook and venting on Facebook. And I know so many of you are, are on that social media platform along with so many others. But maybe you have a troubled friendship. You really have to take it before the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for removing that person from my life. Thank you that my parents came down and said, that's it. You're not going to be around them anymore. I know it hurt. I know. Listen, I got it. I know it hurts to lose a friend. But it could be that that was the very best thing that could have happened in your life. I guess what I'm trying to bring forth in this message here is friendships aren't as important as we make them out to be. The most important thing is exactly what Ben taught on this morning is pleasing God. Not pleasing your friends, but pleasing God. Could you believe that statistic from Barna that I mentioned this morning? I can't get it out of my heart that 84% of our Christian young people would rather be accepted and please their peers than to do what is morally right. However, if it is a friendship that has been damaged and you know God wants you to maintain that friendship because it really has been a good friendship. Just Satan was one trying to separate you. Then there's some things that you need to do. Jot down these six things because I think they'll be very helpful to you. Number one, admit that you were wrong. You know, sometimes that's a hard thing to do, putting that pride back up to number one in the list. But admit that you're wrong. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? I've taught you this over the years. We still have a tendency just to say, I'm sorry. But come on. Just say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? There's something very, very powerful in those words. Psalm 51, David admitted, I was wrong. I have sinned and done this evil in thy sight. I was wrong. You know, one thing that happens when you go up to someone and you say something like that, like if I were to go up to Greg, I got you awake there, didn't I? If I were to go up to Greg and say, Greg, I was wrong for making fun of you. 
will you please forgive me? It's pretty likely he's going to forgive you. Right? Unless the person's really become embittered. Now let me say that. As long as the Lord brought that to my mind, listen, don't make fun of people. I know we got joking that goes on back and forth. and I'm not talking about just lighthearted joking, you know. Or maybe someone teases me for being fat and I tease them for being bald, you know. But I'm talking about saying things that really hurt. Kids are really bad at this. They say some really hurtful things. You young people look at your preacher right now. If you've hurt someone, shame on you. How would you like to be in their shoes? Let me just encourage you. You know what God's telling you to do tonight? Just go to that person. And say, I was wrong for what I did. Will you please forgive me? Admit you're wrong. Goes a long ways in healing a relationship. Number two is purpose that with God's grace you will change. I've noticed it's pretty hard to change yourself, but if you ask God to do it, he has a way of stepping in. This is Luke 16, 15, if you're writing down the verses. Purpose that with God's grace you will change. One thing I just love about being in the Philippines is they all will have this fruit by the grace of God. By the grace of God. That is a wonderful sentence. By the grace of God. Number three, don't defend yourself and cast blame on your friend. Don't defend yourself and cast blame on your friend. Luke 16, 15. I think maybe I gave you the wrong verse for number two. 2 Corinthians 1, 12. For number two, purpose that with God's grace you will change. Don't defend yourself or blame your friend. Maybe they were somewhat to blame, but listen, take full blame and responsibility upon yourself. And you'll notice that when you do that, often your friend will say, you know what, I was wrong too. Jacob and Esau, brothers are born for adversity. Boy, these two boys had some adversity, didn't they? And for many, many years. To me, it's the most beautiful story of reconciliation in the Bible. As Jacob said, that's it. I mean, after years. I forget how many years it was, but it was years of bitterness that was built up between Jacob and Esau. To where finally Esau did all that wrestling with God. You want to be right with me, you get right with your brother. And you know what? He actually thought his brother 
was going to kill him. You remember the story? Gave protection that he needed to his wives and children and to his servants, put himself out there in the forefront. And when those two, when their eyes locked on each other, they ran, they threw their arms around each other, kissed on each other. Wouldn't you have loved to have listened to their words of, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Taking full blame. Where Jacob said, here's, you take this, and Esau knows, no, you take this, and they start fighting over who's going to give each other gifts. What a change. Number four, sincerely ask what you can do to heal the relationship. I know I've damaged it. What can I do to heal the relationship? Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Before you offer your gift, make things right with your friend. Number five, give your friend the opportunity to say what they need to say to you. Listen. Don't interrupt. Let them vent. And don't be surprised if they don't. Matthew 18, 15. Let them get it out, how they've been offended and how they've been hurt. And then just apologize again. Number six is forgive. Unconditionally forgive. That is the key to any relationship. So thankful over the years that my wife has forgiven me for so many things, that my children have forgiven me for so many things. That you, my church family, have forgiven me for so many things over the years. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? What did Jesus say, church? No. Say it with me. But till 70 times seven. Admit you're wrong. Purpose that with God's grace you will change. Don't defend yourself and don't blame your friend. Sincerely ask what you can do to heal the relationship. Give your friend an opportunity to say what they need to say and get it out. And then just ask forgiveness again. And then last is forgive yourself. If your friend has hurt you, just forgive them. Don't. Hold on to that bitterness. I want to close with this. I came across this. I, I believe this was from Charles Stanley. I'm not sure. But I believe it was from Charles Stanley. But it were some questions. And I want to ask you these questions tonight as we close. Concerning your friendships. 
Number one. Are you all listening? Number one. Do you have some so-called friends that you need to separate from? Do you? Yes or no? Number two. Has the Lord blessed you with some good and godly friends that you need to draw closer to? Number three. Are you actively building and nurturing your friendships or have you neglected those God-given treasures because of selfishness? Number four, how can you be a better friend? Number five, what do you need to change in order to become a better friend? Number six, do you have any troubled relationships? Number seven, do you, th- do you think that you have caused a strain in a relationship? Number eight, what can you do to bring about healing to your friend? And then I added number nine, what can you do to be more friendly? I think these are some very important principles. Actually, this is a doctrine. This is the doctrine of friendship in God's word. And I have no idea of how God has spoken into your heart this morning or this evening. The only thing I know is I have been obedient to the Lord to give you what God has put on my heart to give you for today. Now you, now you have to deal with it. I wish everyone would have been here today. I actually have some of our members in my heart and mind right now that desperately needed to hear this morning's and this evening's message. Let's encourage one another to be more faithful to God's house. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.